Hi, my name is Molly Schulte Tucker, and I have the privilege of pastoring the good people of Ridgewood Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. In the fall of 2023, we have been exploring the makings of worship with our series Liturgy, a word that literally means the work of the people. Over the course of five weeks, we'll explore the purpose of worship, the space in which we worship and its evolution to today, the community that gathers to worship, the time we set aside to worship, and the theology and therapeutic effects of music to our community and our soul. from the book of Exodus. And um, when we read about worship from the Old Testament, we actually read about the evolution of worship spaces from a long, 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 long time ago that if we trace through the events of the Old Testament into the New Testament, somehow brings us into Ridgewood Baptist Church on September 3rd, 2023. We won't be hitting every single one of those years today. But just so you know, before we even read from Exodus, it's not that we follow the directions of the tabernacle or the temple early on to a T, but it's what we take with us from the descriptions of these spaces and what they say about the God that we still worship. So if we could look back and trace point A, B, C all the way till today, it should still tell us similar things about God as was described in the early tabernacle and temple. But how has our understanding of God and God's action in the world progressed? since 2,000, 6,000, 8,000 years ago. Quite a bit. So I want to say, before we read in Exodus, it's funny to me whether you are a fundamentalist or a progressive Christian or anything in between or to the left or right of either one of those markers, that our worship spaces have continually progressed over thousands of years since the time of the Israelites to ancient Rome to medieval times till now. And did you know that with all of the new modes of art and music and expression, Dr. Robert Weber, who is uh, the who's who of the study of worship or liturgics, one of the single most turning points in church history as far as worship goes, you know what that is? The change in worship that happened? It was not electric guitar. It was the Gregorian chant. Imagine the Gregorian chant being new and exciting. So two things I want to explore today are where we've come from and to reflect on the right now. So 
Let's read from the book of Exodus. I will be taking us into chapter 40. I believe it will be on your screen as well. We'll be reading 1 through 15. The Lord spoke to Moses. On the first day of the first month, you shall set up the tabernacle of the tent of meeting. You shall put in it the Ark of the Covenant, and you shall screen the Ark with the curtain. You shall bring in the table and arrange its setting, and you shall bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps, and you shall put the golden altar for incense before the Ark of the Covenant and set up the screen. See, they had screens in early worship too. For the entrance of the tabernacle, you shall set the altar of burnt offering before the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and the place uh, and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it. You shall set up the court all around and hang up the screen. Oh man, there it is again. For the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it and consecrate it and all of its furniture <laughs> so that it shall become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of burnt offering and all its utensils and consecrate the altar so that the altar shall be most holy. You shall also anoint the basin with its stand and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the sacred vestments and you shall anoint him and consecrate him so that he might serve me as priest. You shall bring his sons also and put tunics on them and anoint them as you anointed their father that they may serve me as priests and their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood through all generations to come. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. When Rob and I moved into our home in May of 2020, we also purchased a pergola. It didn't come as a pergola. It came in a box. And if you've ever had to put together a pergola, which is, if you don't know what it is, it's kind of a a trellis, but then you can sit underneath it. And ours has a little, um, a piece of fabric over the top that can shield you from the elements. If you've never had to put together a pergola with one other person and a three inch Allen wrench, consider yourself blessed. And it was still in the height of COVID, so we could not invite over, you know, tons of other people to help us put up this large metal structure in our backyard. So it tried our marriage, but with one ladder, one Allen wrench, and what we thought was going to be an hour of assembly time that turned into eight, we put up and still have a pergola in our backyard. That pergola will never come down. <laughs> there were tons of instructions there were tons of this screw and this Allen wrench. We were throwing the Allen wrench at one point between a step stool and the ladder that Rob was on. But I have to admit, when I read how God instructed the tabernacle to be built with this here and that there, and this is the instructions, and use this wrench here and consecrate that and put up that screen near the door and get this guy here. I have to imagine that the people assembling it 
probably felt a little bit like I did as Rob and I put up that pergola in our backyard. It seems like the tabernacle of Exodus was the Ikea furniture of the Old Testament. It was specific, it was detailed, this just being one example, because it was special. There were nomadic tribes in early Israel that would, that would wander and move their dwellings. And things changed, of course, as civilization became more stationary. And then, of course, as we approach the time of Jesus, when the elements of worship change even more, we can see a slow evolution of the worship space. Remember also, in the early church, we like to imagine this big temple, but remember, for the first 300 years of Christianity, of the church, Christianity was illegal. So many of the spaces that we, worship, that we worshiped within were in caves or around tables and homes with hushed voices. They did not have the gold and the silver and the magnificent buttresses. They were quiet simple so as not to be found out but then we have the merging of two worlds the quiet almost secretive worship of christ with what early romans would have seen emperors praised as whether you know it or not there are pagan symbols within worship. But going back to scripture, if you don't think that God, or if you don't think that being a perfectionist has a place in the kingdom of God, you've heard me say this before, and I'll say it a million times, take a stroll through the book of Exodus or Leviticus in particular, those books will show you that God is a God of order and of details. Wallace Horton, who wrote Windows on Worship, said, says this, God is a God of order. The building of the Ark of the Covenant and the tabernacle in Exodus, the instructions regarding animal sacrifices in Leviticus, and the details regarding the dedication of the wall in Nehemiah give affirmation to God's desire for orderliness in worship. What all of these moments, these scriptures, these times point to was that where we meet God matters. Our place and space where we worship God matters. Our spaces tell us that our care and desire to worship God is important because we expect to meet God there. As Robert, Wo Robert Weber put it, a worship building, like everything else, is not neutral. It communicates something about the convictions of the people who worship there. Thus, the church has acknowledged what we do in worship ought to be expressed in the use we make of our worship space. 
So I'm wondering if we could jump a few historical lily pads to take us from ancient Israel to right now, all right? Follow me for just a moment. And Rosalind, I've got some slides back there for you, all right? So the first we're going to look at is the synagogue. There's, there's one for this, Roz. You got it. All right. So you're looking at a picture of probably what an early synagogue would have looked like. There's a few things that I want to point out. First is that you can kind of see there's more of a reddish tint in the middle. Uh, maybe what you could see is maybe a platform. And you'll notice there's space all the way around it, just about all the way around it. In early Judaism, the synagogue was where people gathered around. You may have remembered several months ago when I was reading scripture, I went down there and read it and talked to you. That's because when, when they were talking about scripture, the rabbi would go into the middle of the room and they would, they would talk about how do we interpret this? How do we put this into our day-to-day -day life? It was almost a conversational worship setting. But what you could also see when you were in this round was the symbols that represented their history and their past. Examples would be a shofar, the long ram's horn that they would blow. You could see that. You could see the menorah. A lot of times we see those around our Christmas time, but Hanukkah, uh, December into January sometimes. Um, those might appear around uh, symbols of life, like pomegranates or birds or lions or fountains. Uh, there was also uh, a Torah that they would bring into the middle of the room and read out. Everything was very involved. You were, you were seeing symbols of your faith talking about your faith, figuring out how to take what was written in the Torah and apply it to your daily life. I want to turn a moment to the ancient Syrian church, so follow me on this lily pad. We'll catch up in a second. They added what was called an apse. I'm sorry, they added a table to a space called the apse. The apse is, Rosalind, hit me with that next slide. If you see on the far right of your screen, there was a rounded part. You see that? There was a table that was placed there that was not there before. And one significant change with the Syrian church was that this place of worship did not have to face Jerusalem. It faced east. Did you know early churches all faced Jerusalem? Why? Because that's where they thought they were expecting Jesus' second coming would be in Jerusalem. So they were sitting and waiting and watching for that. But this table in the worship space also makes a difference because it means an element of worship changed. Remember when Jesus was sitting with his disciples on the night when he was betrayed?